later on this episode. Like I had to, I had to overcome a lot, like through my three ACLs, you know, and, um, and still be able to accomplish the things that I wanted to do and playing in front of 80,000, 90,000, 100,000 people. Um, so I can confidently say, looking back, I don't have any regrets because I know within here that I poured everything that I had into the sport. Um, and I can confidently walk away after I got cut after three days in Kansas City and say, you know what? I think I'm good. This is At The Podium with Manuela Mesqua, a podcast featuring interviews with top performers in sports, business, and entertainment to uncover the stories, lessons, and disciplines of the top 1%. Ladies and gentlemen. And now here's your host, CEO and entrepreneur, Manuela Mesqua. Welcome to another conversation at the podium. Folks, you know, this is where we interview guests who've reached the podium in all walks of life. We focus these conversations on high performance people in sports, entertainment, business, and life in general, who've done the work that most of us won't to achieve and experience life in a way most never will. Their unique sacrifices allow us to get an inside peek as to what it took for us to celebrate them at the podium. Today, I'm hosting a good friend, AJ Troop. AJ is a retired athlete. He is now an actor, a writer, but most importantly, he is the son to Stephanie Troop, my troop on IG, the husband to Shannon and new father to the new prince in LA, Shiloh. AJ, so good to have you with us today. Appreciate it, Manny. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks so much. So, hey, I, you know, I told you we're not going to prep a lot. I just want to begin to peel back the layers on the story, the journey that you've been on. Really excited to have you. And you're in L.A. today, right? I am. First and foremost, I got to say, I love how you gave my troop the, uh, <laughs> the Instagram plug. <laughs> I love that. Hey, look. <laughs> As if she needs any more followers. She loves the Instagram and she's trying to, she's, she's finally starting to navigate around the app, which is wild and scary, but I love that you gave her a plug. So yeah, give her a follow. Hey, thanks for saying that. <laughs> and Hey, Alex, we got to make sure that when Chad and his team get the, get the content here, we've got to plug my troop, put her handle on the reel and we got to get that out and let's get folks oh, following my oh, troop. And if you don't, that matter. And if you don't, that's okay too, because yeah, yeah. But anyways, I love that you do that. It's going to be good. Yeah. So look, one of the things I was, you know, I was thinking about all the different dimensions we could go in today together. Right. But I, I, I just, I love hearing about where things began mm -hmm. and because we have so many student athlete listeners across the country, thousands upon thousands. And look, we're trying to grow that. Follow us on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify at the Podium Podcast on Instagram. But we have such a strong contingency of student athlete followers and disciples. I want to, I'd like for you to begin by sharing some of the aspects and dimensions of your childhood story and, and tell us specifically, when did you realize you wanted to play football at such a high level? And was there someone specific that really cemented that for you? Wow. Um, 
Do you know, I, I grew up watching, you know, I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota. So I grew up watching the Big Ten and I loved the idea of playing in front of 80,000, 90,000, 100,000. And once I fell in love with the game, Manny, it was just kind of a no-brainer to me. I've always kind of dreamt big. It's never been, oh, I want to go play D. Nothing wrong with D3 or D2 or anything and playing at these lower levels. But um, I, I knew I wanted to play in front of the magnitude of a big fan, a big fan base. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of where it started as far as the magnitude of the height that I wanted to reach, at least. Um, but yeah, uh, my love for football started at a young age fifth grade um who did that for me i don't know i love i'm from minnesota so i loved watching randy moss and he put on a show every single oh, sunday oh. and um and i guess you could i mean not to get too ahead of ourselves but i guess he was inter he's entertainment you know these, a lot of these receivers totally. it's entertainment yes they're good at they're good at the craft and they're great football players but it's entertainment every sunday we turn on the tv it's popcorn eating, it's popcorn eating television you know with the celebrations and whatnot. And I think watching Randy and Chris Carter at a young age, they from afar wanted, made me want to, you know, try to reach that height. Yeah, that's great. Who, when you think back to your childhood um, yeah. and I'm saying, let, let's focus in on high school. Who was the best athlete that you played with or played against that maybe uh, made it to that next level in college playing D one? Uh, so I played with a handful of guys. I went to a bigger high school. Um, uh, AJ Tarpley ended up playing linebacker at Stanford. Yeah. Um, Toby Okiemi ended up going to play defensive line at Nebraska. Grant Olson at NDSU won multiple uh, college championships at his level. Um, I played with a lot of guys that like really performed at a high level, um, which was cool. And we pushed each other day in and day out. So that was nice to have. Um, them around and I think I think I think those guys you know subconsciously now that I think about it those guys really pushed me that's great and 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 I've uh I've I've heard the story briefly but through someone else I'd love yeah. to hear from you directly you know Big Ten Mi Minnesota and Michigan don't get along yeah and yet and yet you ended up at MSU Share a little bit about the story and the decision-making process that maybe you and Ma Troop went through and the other people who you were close to that you considered as mentors in your life that said, no, it's MSU, it's Coach D'Antonio, we're going to go win a bunch of bowl games and Big Ten championships, and that's what's up. Yeah, Manny, so I actually, I don't know if you know this, but I came into Michigan State as a preferred walk-on. So I had to, I had no. to like bet, yeah. So I had to like bet on myself. I had a few lower, uh, smaller division one offers. And again, like I said earlier, um, you know, to play in front of the 30,000s, the maybe the 40,000s, if that, but I just always like dream big. And I think my mom and I were on the same page and she knew I wanted to take a, you know, bet on myself and take that risk and, and, and go to Michigan state as a walk-on and hopefully earn a scholarship. Um, and that's kind of what it came down to the decision-making. You know, again, I wanted to play in front of those 80,000, 90,000. I wanted to travel to, you know, that school down the road. Um, and I wanted to play in front of 100,000 at the sh at the shoe, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was a no-brainer to me, honestly. Like, thinking back, it was like, if they, once they said I could come in as a, as a walk-on, it was, it was done. I was like, yeah, I'm going to bet on myself.
who who do you think at that time was kind of the the person in your life that gave you the most confidence that you know what yeah i'm going to bet on myself i'm going to leave the state it's not next door i mean it's not next door mm-hmm. it's not like you just you know drove an hour away and picked the school right i'm going to yeah. bet on myself move to michigan and make it happen at michigan state with coach d'antonio who was that person i would have to say my mom off rip um she's always she's instilled so much confidence in me and belief um and trust in in me knowing what i want to achieve and go after um and she's never really questioned it she's always had my back so i would have to say her 100 percent. that's great. yeah yeah you, you you played with phenomenal teammates right i mean i think i think back to those days i've always been a big 10 kid born in chicago really grew up in northwest indiana played small division three ball in Southern Indiana. So I stayed in the Midwest almost, you know, my entire life until right after college following the big 10, man, those were years where people, even if you didn't love Michigan state uh, growing up, like you were watching a lot of MSU football, right? Um, I mean, multiple big 10 championships. It was, was it the, it was definitely the Rose bowl, but there was one other one. I'm, I'm blanking out right now. What was the other bowl game that you won? That was notable. Oh, the Cotton Bowl. Oh, yeah. The following yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's all good. Yeah, Co- Cotton, Cotton Bowl the following Bowl. year. Share, share with us a little bit about, and sorry, that was crazy. I never have my ringer on. Oh, I didn't even hear it. Uh, share with us a little bit about um, what D'Antonio did, if there were lessons or mantras or mindsets that he imparted on the players to get you all to come together and play at that level together, right? Greatest teams are teams that are really, really tight. Um, what mm-hmm. are some of those things that you took from coach D'Antonio that you thought, Hey, these were, these were impact things he did. Wow. Um, coach, I get this question kind of a lot about coach D and coach D first and foremost thing that I'll say is he's a leader in a different way. He is a you know, some people say he's a player's or some people describe coaches as players, coaches and uh, coach D just really transformed us off the field. I'm talking off the field to be young men and really prepare us for what life was to come um, on the field. Man, he's got a bunch of mantras. I mean, he's got a bunch of gems. I can't even pick a place. I don't even I can't even think of one specifically, but. Coach D is a guy that you want to work hard for, you know, um, he's somebody that you respect. And I think just everybody in that locker room respected him and respected each other. And we really, we really, we really had a family oriented team. And I think that stemmed down from coach D. Um, and I think that's why we all gelled so well. And that's why we played well, honestly. Yeah. I don't know if that answers the question, but yeah. No. And, and, and look, I love it. What I'm taking away from it is that, you know, he, he, uh, he met you in that stage of your life and poured into you beyond just making you a great athlete and a high performer on, on turf and on grass, right. On Saturdays. I mean, he invested into who you became as a man. And we just had dinner with four Spartans on Monday night here, uh, in Southeast Michigan. And they said the same, I I heard a story about a rock 
that was like nearly impossible to move that like, you know, at the end of, of, of days, you know, there was this rope and I, you know, I don't know. Do you, do you know what I'm referring to? Of course. Tell, of course. tell that story from your perspective. So the rock, we, we had this huge rock on our, on our, on our turf practice field outside. Um, and every single day after practice, a certain skill position would have to move this rock. It was a big like, rope wrapped around the rock and you have to pull it and just little by little, like the rock would turn, you know, every single day. And like, I gotta be honest, like looking back in the moment, it was like, Oh my God, we just finished a two and a half hour practice. We got to go move this rock. It's like, what are we doing? But like, as a, as, I can appreciate it so much more now as an adult, like it's just little by little, you know, you, every single day you take the necessary steps and you get closer to that, you know, that outcome or that, 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 the thing that you're achieve, or you're after uh, looking to achieve. And it's brilliant, but only coach D would think of something like that. Yeah. I, I love that. They were saying it at the dinner and I just thought back to that, uh, that movie with Pacino any given Sunday and yeah. when he, you know, when he goes on this like massive, you know, dissertation of the team in the locker room, you know, they're getting crushed and he talks about how it's a game of inches. Right. And you uh, gotta be willing yeah. to die for that mm -hmm. next inch. And I'm envisioning this as, as Tabor Pepper and Benny are talking about it. And, yeah. and just like, yes, at, at the end of a two, three, four hour workout and practice, to then be asked to still tug again at something that's probably a few tons mm -hmm. as a, a skilled uh, 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 group, you're probably like, why the heck is this happening? But I bet that after 30, 60, 90, 180 days of doing that, you realize like, man, we moved this really far and look at all that we've achieved. And, and just the symbolism in that, I mean, I was just fascinated by that. Like who, thinks of that and of course of course it's coach d only coach d only, only coach, coach d. d but it, we can appreciate it so much and i'm sure we you know we got it in the moment you know but now like looking back however many years ago that was it's just like wow like you can still apply that you know with anything yeah well, it, it, i was also thinking about one of my dear friends he's he's a, a performance coach high performance teaming coach uh, Lee Rubin, he always says that teams exist because there's a challenge or opportunity so big, so massive that can it cannot be achieved or accomplished alone. Mm. And that's the purpose of building teams. I have to believe that the amount of success that Michigan State had in that four-year run while you were there was a reflection of having some great teammates. Can you speak a little bit to the teammate you aspired to be? on a day in day out basis and what other great teammates look like from a characteristic perspective so that our listeners can learn. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love that. I mean, this team thing is such a collective idea and you need everybody to form together to kind of create what you want. Right. Um, my one specific person, easily Benny Fowler. Um, not only did I look up to him, him being a year or two older than me, um, but his work ethic, I think that's kind of why we're the good friends that we are today is we both have extreme um, work ethics uh, and his, and his, his mental attitude. Um, he, I am not the man I am today. I can confidently say that without Benny Fowler mentally. Wow. 
Yeah, 100%. I wow. mean, just his his mental toughness and his, his optimism and his outlook on a lot of things um, is so impactful and so powerful and so positive. Um, yeah, and having somebody like that in that locker room, it's not by mistake that we won as many games as we did. You know, Benny really that that spread throughout the locker room from his optimism, from his positive energy. Um, like Benny knew we were going to be champions like that Rose Bowl year. Like mm-hmm. we would work out. I mean, him individually and I, we would work out minimum that summer twice a day, a minimum. Like we were hopping the fence at our own practice facility to get reps in. Um, so I would have to say, Benny Fowler, for sure. I love it. I yeah, love it. that's a great story. And obviously, yeah. you know, know, knowing him personally and professionally, um, uh, you know, I'm just not surprised now that you mentioned him. Oh, yeah. That's great. Shout out to Beans. Shout hey, out to Beans. I, 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 you know, that that that's the beginning of your life, right? I want to begin to pivot here in a minute to, to yeah. what's hot right now. I'm so excited for you in this new season of your life as a man in your professional career uh, as a husband, father, and son, but give us one last, give us one last response around football. I wonder, I wonder even for those who are so driven and so Mm -hmm. obsessed about getting to that highest level of playing ball in achievement. Do you ever look back and think, man, there's a couple regrets that I've left behind. Mm -hmm. Right. Can you think of any of those? I get that question a lot. Surprisingly, if I have any regrets, um, I do not, um, we didn't even touch on it, but I don't even know if you know, man, I tore my ACL three times playing football before I ever touched the field at Michigan state. Um, yeah. So I tore my ACL three times and you know, my dream, like in any other young football players to reach the NFL, um, for me to play at Michigan State after what I experienced with my knee, I won't say that was like enough, but like in the fashion that I did it and the in the games that we were able to win and the teams that I was able to be a part of, looking back, I have no regrets, you know, and not to like toot my own horn, but like my first ever game as a college athlete. My first play was my first catch. My first catch was my first touchdown. It's like, it's like, a, it's, it's a Cinderella story. Is that the right term? I don't know. But like, it's and like, yes. and, I, and I tell that, and I tell that story because like I had to, I had to overcome a lot, like through my three ACLs, you know, and, uh-huh. um, and still be able to accomplish the things that I wanted to do and playing in front of, 80,000, 90,000, 100,000 people. Um, so I can confidently say, looking back, I don't have any regrets because I know within here that I poured everything that I had into the sport. Um, and I can confidently walk away after I got cut after three days in Kansas City and say, you know what? I think I'm good. Yeah. So no I regrets. I can't believe that story. I didn't yeah. even know that. Yeah. How yeah. wait, who I you have okay? I, I'm sorry, I'm gonna pivot. I'm <laughs> no, yeah, let's talk about it. But your first play was your first catch, your first catch was your first touchdown. Yeah, yeah, 
who, what, what year were you, who were you playing? So we were, I was a redshirt junior. So I went through, for those who don't know, that's my fourth year in college. So I had been on three other teams prior to that, like, you know, at Michigan state, my fourth year, um, I had the last ACL was <clears throat> the prior year in camp, uh, going into the Rose Bowl year. Me and Benny legit hopped the fence at our practice facility with our quarterback, Tommy Vento, to get some reps in because the facility was closed. And unfortunately, I tore my ACL that day. Um, not from hopping the fence, thank God. It was a football-related injury. But um, yeah, so yeah, I, 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 that was my fourth year. We were playing Jacksonville State under the lights uh, at Spartan Stadium. Um, Tony Lippett, I'm playing behind him at the at the exposition. He's gassed. He says, true. true. It's almost like, is it Rudy? Where like, he like forgets his helmet, you know? Like, it's a like, troop. He's just yelling at me because he's gassed. He's been in for like this whole like 90, no, like an 80 yard drive. Yeah, just playing troop. every dimension. I'm like, oh, it's me. So I run in. Connor Cook, one of my really good friends, looks up. Oh, shit. what's up, Troop? And it was just, I'll never forget that. He goes, oh, oh, what's up, Troop? It's my first time in the huddle. It's a run play. It's a run play. At the line of scrimmage, he checks to a fade. Naturally, throws it to me. Uh, we score. Um, yeah, and that was my first catch. That was my first game action. I, it, it like literally you just reminded me of when Benny was here a month ago and we sat one-on-one -on -one and he tells me about catching the touchdown in the Super Bowl from Peyton Manning. And it's like, he, 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 he swears that Peyton called the wrong play. Yeah. <laughs> and it ends up being a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Right. And I just like, those stories have to be so like, I mean, it had, the moment had to be insane, but just, so special to be yeah. able to repeat that as often as you're comfortable speaking about it and say, mm -hmm. yeah, that's how it went down. Yeah. No, only I am in very sports. Yeah. Only in sports. Right. Oh man. Okay. Last thing then. Yeah. Piece yeah. Of advice. 12 year old kids. Benny came and worked out Atlas at Detroit country mm -hmm. day on Sunday and his two new friends, Chase and Brody Trotter. Titus and Stephanie's sons, great family here, Southeast Michigan. Benny works out the three boys and Benny's just all up in their business about mm -hmm. precision and effort and, 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 you know, just be, you know, having gas. What's the advice you're giving young men like Atlas, Chase and Brody today to get to whatever level of achievement they desire? It's funny because you asked me this question, you know, even five years ago, it's a different answer. But right now, simply, without whatever you're doing, fall in love with your craft. Because if you fall in love with it, you, if Alice, he loves football. He'll love football. And, you know, yeah. with that love, he'll be able to reach the heights that he wants to, to, to reach, I think, simply. Fall in love, in love with what you're doing. Yeah, I love it. Do what you love. Do what you yeah. love. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Hard pivot. Yeah. Actor, writer, 
creative, you know, like you said, sports is entertainment as well. A lot of people Mm -hmm. go from professional sports to like dedicated creative entertainment. That's the world you're in now. When, when did that vision come to you and talk to us about the first intentional step you took to make that pivot? Yeah. Um, I've always been in love with the arts and entertainment at a young age. Uh, a lot of people don't know you for, I don't think, you know, but I danced competitively for 10 years before I, before I quit, um, to focus mainly on football. Uh, so all throughout elementary, uh, middle school, up until high school, I danced competitively for 10 years, loved performing in front of crowds and, simply just performing um, in the art of dance. So that's where I fell in love at first with being a creative. Um, and also my mom would always take me to theater and shows and whatnot. Um, so it started at a young age. And then also I, I, I say that thing about like the receivers, you know, putting on a performance because watch any football, like after a receiver catches a first down. Now we're doing a little shimmy and, you know, doing a little first down signal. We got a touchdown dance. It's a performance and you get to do yeah. it in front of a hundred thousand people. Um, yes, I loved football, but I love putting on a show, you know what I'm saying? So, um, started from a young age. Yeah. What, um, who do you think has been your, your biggest fan, your biggest advocate in pursuing that dream? Uh, my wife and my mom. Yeah. Shannon and Stephanie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, like I touched on earlier, my mom has always supported me with whatever I want to do. Um, and Shannon as well. Um, so those two, without a doubt. What do you think? Um, so uh, you mentioned it earlier. You know, one of the thing, biggest things that Ma Troop has done for you is really giving you this kind of unflinching level of commitment, support, and belief in the Mm -hmm. things that you have in your mind's eye and the vision for your life. Mm -hmm. What are some of like other specific things that whether it's Ma Troop or Shannon or others who've been advocates in your life, what are some of the little or big things that folks have done to show you like, Hey man, I believe in you. You're on the right path. Just don't quit. I Are think there right now or moments that stand out. Um, absolutely. I think just simply, Manny, it's people who like show genuine interest. Like right now, you know, like I'm kind of at a stage in my life where with acting, you know, you spend a lot of time unemployed. So it's a lot, of, you know, unless it's like I'm posting something or you see something on TV of me, the other time is dead, you know, you know, it's a, it's a downtime. And yeah. when those, when people, I guess my point is when people like reach out and genuinely inquire about, you know, my career or have show faith in me or trust, mm-hmm. you know, in what I'm doing and they see that and they, and, and they value that. I think that, um, <clears throat> that's special to me. Yeah. I mean, I think getting yeah. that, that unsolicited, spontaneous encouragement, would you say? Yeah. And it's like not to get mistaken with like validation. Cause I don't think I really need validation yeah. anymore to kind of um, propel me, but it's more show just genuine care and a knowing that, Oh, AJ's got this. And I see him 
you know, and I, and I trust what he's doing, you know, and then you can feel that. And I think that's a big thing, which I see from my inner circle of people, which is important in everything to me. Yeah, let, let's actually let's take a, a, a quick uh, a quick minute on that topic. You know, you mentioned this to me uh, previously when we were together. I have learned that from other high performers like yourself. They consistently reinforce the importance and significance of having a way to audit your circle and determine the people that you allow to be the closest to you and that you in turn pour into. Are there any stories or examples that stand out in your mind on that topic that you'd be willing to share right now about the significance of that? Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, just off the top of my head, in in LA alone, I think I've grown just to have my circle of trust of people who I can rely on and they can rely on me just because LA is just, there's just so many people out here, you know, doing what I'm doing. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm fortunate to have found a small group of tight friends out in LA. I'll say that first and foremost. Secondly, absolutely. I've kind of had this visual in my head as of recent of a tight core group of friends and family that I consider, you know, this tier of friends. And I have a lot of friends, you know, um, that, that I'm very close with. Um, but maybe not as close as others. So I have this like tier, uh, it's, it's, it's a visual thing. Um, people in this small group, and then it kind of grows out, you know, these the small, this small group, I, I, I talk to weekly, we check in, we have intellectual conversation, we, we check in on each other emotionally, how we're growing in, in, in our careers and our crafts. And then there's the other, you know, tiers, and it kind of keeps going out. And I think, I'm more mindful of that now and who I give my energy to and how much I give my energy to, because I actually had this conversation with my mom. We both give a lot of energy to people. Mm. Um, and which is, it's a blessing and it's good because we're empathetic and we care, but I think shifting that focus and putting more energy into that smaller group of people that we really you know, call our closest friends and family, mm-hmm. I think is the most important. That's kind of what I'm going through right now. I hope that answers your question. But um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's super helpful. Like when you were describing that visual, I was thinking of like a dartboard, you know, with like the bullseye, right? Exactly. You know, exactly. Expanding rings, um, which means you don't, you don't necessarily like displace people in your life, but the people that you no. in your life, you just keep them organized. So you understand like who you might invest a little bit more time, attention and TLC towards. Is that right? Absolutely. Like every, there's still my friends, you know, there's different, different tiers of friends, you know, like, cause I have, as, as a male, I, I'm, I'm realizing a lot of, I'm a very open person and very emotional and sensitive guy. And some of the guys that I can have those conversations with in this circle aren't in this circle, you know? <laughs> Um, and I, and I value the guys that I can do that with, um, but that's not to say that these guys out here aren't also my friends. They're just different, different part of life. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's super helpful. So I, I, when you were, when you were sharing that, I was thinking about, you know, this tremendous move that you and Shannon made out to LA Mm -hmm. to pursue this vision, this dream that you have for your life, which 
you're making progress on daily, weekly, monthly, annually. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, I want to get to, if given the chance, but let's back up a little bit. Yeah, Maybe yeah. share some of the projects that you've done in the most recent three years that like, hey man, this was an awesome project and this is why I enjoyed it so much. Maybe share two or three examples of that. Great. Um, not to, so I don't bore your listeners. It, I've been out here in LA for five, five and a half years now. And just within the last like two years has my career kind of picked up steam to where I would like it to be. Um, but before that, a lot of just small projects that I think humbled me. Yes. And um, I think every actor out in LA should do just because it puts a chip on your shoulder. It reminds you where you came from. So I would say like the smaller projects for sure. I got to shout out those, those ones that I've done that maybe not my best work, but it was necessary to look back and see where I'm able to, where, where I was able to get to um, from there. But I would say I did a show called Pam and Tommy on Hulu about <laughs> Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee, um, which was super cool. It was a great, amazing experience to work with Sebastian Stan, who you just Rory, yesterday, right? I played Rory, who just um, yesterday, Sebastian Stan and the show got nominated for Emmys. Um, so to say that I was a part of an Emmy nominated um, show is a blessing, you know, um, and got to work with Sebastian Stan, who, the, for those who don't know, he played Bucky in um, like the, the Marvel universe yeah. of Captain America's brother. Um, so he's a seasoned actor that for sure is on the list. What a great experience. And then I got to a few months prior to that work on um, Disney Plus's Obi-Wan Kenobi um, in the Star Wars universe, which was such a blessing um, to work on. You know, I had it written down. I, I feel like I manifested it. I wanted to work on the biggest sets, on the biggest production with the biggest actors. Um, and I got to work across Ewan McGregor, who plays Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, you know, for three weeks three, three week straight. Blessing. Um, such a cool experience. Yeah, that's got to be on yeah. the list as well. That that's awesome, and 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 you, you you've uh, obviously you've referenced the commercial work before in mm -hmm. just social conversations. Mm -hmm. What what's it like to be in the commercial business? Because you you've represented some of the biggest brands. Why don't I let you share some of the brands and and then share a little bit about what it's like getting into the commercial business and maybe anything yeah. to that versus acting on some of these shows or movies. Um, yeah, completely different experiences on set. I, 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 not a lot of people like working on commercials. I love it. I think I love auditioning for the commercials too, because they are just so outlandish and so weird. Like imagine just sitting in your apartment with a, like a, a, a thing behind you and you're fake driving. It's so weird, but I love it gets me out of my head and I get creative with it. That's I the love McDonald's one, right? I did a McDonald's commercial. Yep. That's out right now. Um, I've, I have a Domino's one coming out later this month. 
Um, I've done Ramchata. I've done Fitbit. I've done Google. I've done a handful. I've been really fortunate to work on a lot of commercials. Um, and we just got Shiloh, um, his agent, his commercial agent. So watch out for my baby Shiloh to be on uh, some Pampers. I love but, it. But um, no, yeah, it's a completely different experience than, you know, shooting theatrically, which is, you know, like Pam and Tommy or Obi-Wan Kenobi. Usually these commercial shoots are just one day, maybe two days. Um, it's usually really all over the place because no one, you know, you got to deal with the client. They got to deal with the agency. They got to deal with so many different moving components. Um, but I, I love it. And it's, you know, as an actor, it's something that when you're not working continuously theatrically it, it it pays the bills it, they pay they pay nicely so um i've been really fortunate to uh to be busy commercially well con congratulations on that dimension of your work today i know you're going to continue you. to experience a lot of success uh mm -hmm. you know both in commercial work and uh series and short films i i Thank want you. to get to before we run out of time the thing i was the most excited to talk to you about and to get yeah. you to share a little bit uh, with our listeners. Uh, you and I had met, and then I don't know what it was, like either like you popped up on Instagram or, or so something, something, some, I, I don't know. I just I always forget. I got like short-term memory loss, but something compelled me to go to a link, to go to a site, and I found if given the chance. Yeah. And I can't remember exactly, again, because mm -hmm. of my short-term mm -hmm. memory loss, but- yeah. I think I wrote you like a love note in a text or a voice yeah. note or something. I was blown away. I'm confident that I was crying and I just was compelled to say something meaningful to you. So you understood that while we've lived a different childhood and journey in life, like what you said, just, it made me feel like I grew up with you. And it was just so deep. It was so connecting. It was such an emotional roller coaster to watch you. Um, I want you to introduce what, if given the chance is, and what inspired that. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, thank you, Manny. I, I, I do remember that text. Um, genuine, heartfelt, and I received that. So thank you. Um, yeah, if given the chance, about over a year ago, I kind of wanted to peel back layers of why I tick the way I tick, uh, why I am the way I am, where I come from, who I am, my identity, whatever, everything. Um, you know, I'll be vulnerable. I got a therapist. I just want to ask the questions. Me too. Not only for my, not, yeah, not only for myself, but as an artist as well, why I tick the way I tick. So about a year and a half ago, I started writing um, therapeutically to my absent father um, in the things that I would say to him if given the chance. And it started out therapeutic, um, kind of just to get it out there. Um, I, I, I realized that I had put up a wall and a barrier because whenever anybody asked me, AJ, uh, you know, how, do, are you affected by not having a dad? Like genuinely, I would say no. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I have my mom. I'm fine without him, but you know, I'm a human being. So I had to search for the reason why I was saying that. Um, because obviously it, it's affected me like it would anybody not growing up with two parents. So long story short, I started writing this down and then I realized I could make it into um, a project 
carry it over to the creative side. And I did so and was able to put it into production. And I shot this monologue that's six minutes long um, to my absent father, if given the chance. And it's about the things that I would say to him um, if he came to my doorstep on why he left, um, how I'm okay the way I am without him. Um, and it was a really, it was a healing moment for me. Um, and yeah, I know that was a long answer, but yeah, it's a, it's a really special project to me. And a lot of people were able to resonate with it, whether they grew up without a father or if they just had compassion or, you know, saw it from a different, different angle, which is important. I think in today, in today's society with everybody just seeing one point of view. Um, but it was cool to get different responses um, from people. And it's been a beautiful journey. And it's been, I've been fortunate enough for Yahoo to pick it up and BuzzFeed did a article and then a handful of different um, newspaper publications um, ended up picking it up. So it's been cool to reach a bunch of different eyeballs um, and get a lot of different perspectives on it. Yeah, we're gonna we're definitely gonna work very uh, thoughtfully and intentionally on amplifying that story and the gift that that is here in Michigan. You know, I think of mm-hmm. guys like R.J. King at at D Business, Casey Crane at Cranes. Just what what a just what a beautiful, uh, incredible success story you've been creating throughout your life, and to have done that. When I rewatched it the other day after I'd had dinner with Tabor and Benny and the Boulder story of D'Antonio came out, I thought about the same sort of imagery. I was like, the film's just under 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. I wonder how many hours went into what then created that short Mm -hmm. film. Can you, do Mm -hmm. you have a a pulse on what that might've been between where it started as like a writing exercise and therapeutic path to, to, to the outcome. Yeah. I mean, you know, at least a year and a half worth of, of, of work, um, not continuously because, you know, like I said, it started, it started therapeutically, um, kind of just to get, get it out there and on, on pen to pad. But I think I had to like release it too. I kind of stepped away from it from a, for a few months and then came back and had some rewrites um different just wrote different stuff to you know make it flow better on camera and stuff and i just always had a vision of me standing in a doorway um doing it all in one shot with the camera panning in on me you know on a tracking shot as it was always just so specific um and then i i started looking for locations found the perfect location which you see in the film of this yeah. beautiful archway. It's just very aesthetically pleasing in how I envisioned it. Um, but yeah, all that, all that span is guess across like a year and a half. Yeah. Wow. Even to the last like moment, the, the morning that I was taking a shower to go to set, I was like, wait, I'm not going to wear any shoes. I don't know. It was just like the little things. Like it was just yeah. a constant, you know, it, it was, yeah. It just, yeah, it put a lot of time into it and a lot of thought, and I'm really pleased how it turned out. I love it. Well, I'm I'm super thankful that you continue to share your gifts with the world. Uh, we Thank think you. about you know the rising tide is what elevates all boats, and uh, you continue to be a part of that in your own unique way. 
what is next for AJ Troop? What's the current obsession? What's the next milestone? What is next? What is next? What is now is just focusing on being the best father that I can be to baby Shiloh and the best husband to Shannon, the best son to Stephanie. Um, really, I mean, on, like I'm giving you a real answer. I'm just really trying to like just find my inner joy and my inner peace and, and, and love because I've found in the past when all these good things do happen, when I have that at my core, everything else kind of just trickles down. And I'm really just trying to focus on that. Um, now, but as a career, what's next? Um, I'm speaking this into existence. I'm manifesting it. I'm going to be a series lead on an HBO show. Um, yeah, I'm going to be a household actor and uh, people are going to know my name across the world. I'm speaking that into existence. I don't say that out of arrogance or um, anything that's full confidence. And um, yeah, I'm putting in the work for that to be next. You just made me think of that story that Denzel Washington says all the time about the time that he was in the, the beauty parlor and the older lady that was getting her hair blown, you know, calls his attention as he's basically failing out of college. And she says to him, you know, you, you will, you know, you're basically going to become a man of significance who's going to speak in front of millions of people and create mm. tremendous influence in this world. And, uh, and you just made me think of that. So I'm, you know, I'm pushing that out there on your behalf I love as, well as an advocate and a friend. I love that. I, I, I appreciate that, Manny, genuinely. Yeah, 100%. Look, where can people find you, follow you, and grab, if given the chance, and watch it today? Yeah, so you can visit my website at ajtroop.com. Um, it's under, if given the chance, on my website. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram at ajtroop. 19 um and the link is in the bio yeah check it out loved having you on here aj folks as you know this is where we interview guests who've reached the podium in all walks of life whether it's been sports entertainment business or the bigger scheme of things which is just life in general i'm super excited recently got a verbal commitment from a friend that I want to give a shout out to at AJ. She's in LA. Dana Cornelius and my friend Tiffany. Dana is the CEO and co-owner of Sport of Kings. The vision for this clothing line was two friends, surfers, West Coast guys, loving life. In 2015, they began to execute on the vision for this apparel line. Sport of Kings, my wife jokes. She's like, if you're not in a blue suit, white shirt and tie, I swear you only wear that municipal or 30 year old t-shirts from college. And it's hilarious. So I want to give a shout out to Dana and Tiffany. They were super kind enough to, to we're going to get Dana on the show soon. And uh, Tiffany was generous enough to give us a 20% off discount code to our listeners type in podium, no capitalizations at sport of Kings, 20% off your entire order. Check it out. And AJ, your first shipment is going to be a gift from us. I can't wait for you to check it out. Send my love to my troop, Shannon and Shiloh. It was a blessing and privilege to have you, brother. Thank you, man. I appreciate you guys.